Hello there, this is Tony Campolo and Shane Claiborne. The name of the show is From Across the Pond. So named because we put it together over here in the United States, specifically on the campus of uh, Cabrini University, which is across the road from Eastern University, a place where uh, I have taught and a a place where uh, Shane has studied and a place where I have my offices. Uh, It's just outside of Philadelphia in St. David's, Pennsylvania. Uh, We're here every week at this time, and we promote Red Letter Christianity. Uh, Red Letter Christianity, there's a name for you. We'll talk about it a little later time, but I want to get right into our guest, uh, Andrew Bush, the director of the New Bethlehem Center for Global Peacemaking and Justice, obviously in in Bethlehem on the West Bank. Uh, This is a new position for you. Uh, Andrew, welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit about this peacemaking and justice thing you're doing in Bethlehem. Well, thanks so much, Tony and Shank. Great to be with you. This is a new project that will be based in Bethlehem Bible College, and we're excited about it because we know that there are people in Israel and Palestine that are really eager to build peace. And we want to equip them and stand by them. Uh, And so our goal is to raise the sense of what is possible, that uh, that peace is possible in these two societies. But we'll also be serving Christians from around the world who are concerned for being peacemakers in in their corner of the world. This is really important. Uh, What are some of the main misconceptions that Americans have about Uh, Palestinians and Israelis and the whole war-slash-peace process there in the Middle East? Well, I think one of the main misconceptions is that that Palestinians want to just destroy Israel. And uh, we, my wife and I, have lived and worked in Palestine for more than 20 years, and we've never heard that expressed by Palestinians, Christians or Muslims, Rather, what we always hear is a longing for peace and a longing to have a normal life. That's one of the main misconceptions. Another misconception is that Palestinians are anti-Western somehow. Again, it just couldn't be farther from the truth because many thousands of Palestinians have immigrated to the U.S. and have made their homes here and uh, love being Americans. Well, isn't it true that uh, uh, Islam and the Muslims who follow that religion uh, have a uh, concern about modernity, about the encroachment on their culture from Western civilization, uh, if we can call Western society civilized? But uh, yeah. are they not concerned that our music, our, our sexual mores, our, our behavioral patterns uh, are seeping into their culture? Uh, countries into their communities, and uh, they're very, very frightened about this sense of westernization. Well, that's true to an extent, but when we speak of Islam in the Middle East or the Islamic world in general, it's such a patchwork of cultures from country to country, and some are much more westernized and comfortable with that than others. Palestinian society is um, very open in the sense that uh, all women go to uh, uh, university, have important jobs, 
drive, of course, uh, and and uh, Western music and values and art are really throughout the society without any sense of uh, alarm. Um, so there is that concern, especially in, in more conservative and closed Muslim societies. But you don't find that in, you know, uniformly in the Muslim world. Hey, Andrew, uh, we, this is Shane. I, as you as you've lived there for over 20 years, uh, tell us some of your experiences. I mean, you lived through the second intifada there. You might want to tell us a little bit about that. But uh, particularly, how has it changed and what, what's the same and what's different now than 20 years ago? Tell us what the infatata is, first of all. Well, the Intifada was the second uprising of Palestinian society against the Israeli occupation. And there was indeed, you know, violent elements in Palestinian society that clashed with Israeli military. And uh, that was a very difficult period of time. It lasted more than four years. And we lived on the West Bank, north of Ramallah, in a, a village called Birzeit throughout that uh, time. <clears throat> what has changed now is, I, I, I mean, I hate to you know, make general statements, but I would say there's a general recognition that violence and that kind of uprising is not going to bring the Palestinian state that Palestinians are looking for. Um, and, and yet there's great frustration that there's just no peace process at all right now. So um, I would say many Palestinians are in somewhat of a state of resignation um, uh, uh, with, the, with the present status, but really longing for a better day. But the violence is much more minimized today. Uh, here's an important uh, question. Uh, there's been a recent election in Israel. Uh, and uh, the two major candidates are opposed to each other, and they're talking about a coalition government. How does this uh, election impact uh, specifically what you're doing, working for peace between Palestinians and uh, Israelis, and, and even peace on a global scale? Well, um, we hope for that a new government will have more open and progressive views and not take the repressive approach towards Palestinians that um, has been in place under the Netanyahu government. Well, in the uh, Netanyahu government, there were 500,000 Israelis living in the West Bank on Palestinian territory in settlements which the UN has declared illegal. And right. the, the Netanyahu has said uh, he wants to annex those and make them yeah. part of the state of Israel. Uh, how is this going to bring about peace if he steals land from Palestinians and makes that land part of the state of Israel? Well, it certainly will not. Uh, but these, unfortunately, I mean, although Netanyahu encouraged settlement growth and permitted settlement growth, those settlements are, are deeply in place, and regardless of whether it's a Netanyahu-led government or a Gantz-led government, uh, those settlements are going to remain. And they are a, uh, just a very difficult fact when we talk about reconciliation between 
Israeli and Palestinian societies. Um, no, the solution many Palestinians want is for those settlements to be removed. Uh, but we haven't seen that will to do anything close to that in Israeli society uh, so far. Andrew, when you know, one of the things we're seeing all over the world right now is just this uprising of young people who uh, want to see changes made, and they're not. Uh, uh, they've got this sort of righteous indignation, and all over the world, uh, folks uh, marched around climate change. We've seen, you know. Uh, in our country, young people leading the way in the Black Lives Matter movement and the gun, you know anti-gun violence movement, and uh, you've written this this uh, new book, Millennials in the Mission of God: A Prophetic Dialogue. Tell us what you're seeing among young people, maybe even some of the things that give you hope and the things that give you concern. Well, what gives me hope is in Israel and Palestine, uh, young people are seeking a a better day. And they're not isolated from the world through the internet and media today. They know what's going on, and they they know that these movements are occurring. Yeah, you know, just to interrupt you real quick, I've been to uh, Kabul in Afghanistan, and someone sent me images of the young people marching in the streets of Afghanistan for climate change. And you're just like, man, this is a, a different world. You know, folks feel really connected to each other. So keep, keep going. Well, yeah, this is, uh, this is an area of hope for me uh, because young Palestinians do not have the same rhetoric of conflict that many of their fathers and grandfathers have, and uh, they are seeking reproachment and, and understanding between peoples uh, between Israel and Palestine in new ways through art, uh, through um, online chats and online discussions, etc. And I think we, we really should have great hope that in places of what appear to be intractable conflict, change can come. Mm. And we need to support these young people and give them tools that they can use as they go forward, but also listen to them and learn from them, uh, not take a patronizing view at all, because they have new perspectives that we need to, you know, uh, to hook up with. Yeah, I mean, they're organizing some of the biggest marches we've ever seen, you know, in demonstrations. So it feels like that intergenerational piece is clutch. Uh, hey, just yeah. to pause to tell everybody, all of you listening in, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. We uh, have been talking with Andrew Bush, who is uh, in Palestine in the West Bank. He's the director of the Bethlehem Center for Global Peacemaking and Justice, doing beautiful work there connected to Bethlehem Bible College in the Bethlehem. Yeah. <laughs> We've got yeah, a Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It's a little different. But, um, yeah. And, and uh, uh as as you're looking at this peacemaking, what what are some of the like actual? Do you have a story or kind of a concrete example of where you've seen uh, uh, nonviolence work to to bring about change or to interrupt the patterns of injustice there in your context? Well, uh, gosh, I have I, I I know of several. Some are are too sensitive to mention, but um, in Gaza. 
where I've, I've been many times with Gazan Christians. We think of Gaza as just an absolute hotbed of hostility and Islamic hatred, etc. And yet with, uh, with Gazan Christians, I've gone numerous times into Gazan Muslim homes uh, to bring relief, to talk with them, to bring water filters into their homes and um, uh, to build bridges of understanding between the Christian and Muslim communities in Gaza. And it's just been a very powerful experience. And as one of my friends in the Gazan Baptist Church says, Gaza needs the light of Jesus too. And they're committed to bringing that. And so where we think of Islam in Gaza as just hostile, hostile to Jews, hostile to Christians. Um, the people are not, that is not a, uh, a universal description. And good things are happening in these back neighborhoods that, you know, are so many stories to tell uh, that... Uh, it's just beautiful. I, I visited uh, that. I've been over there, you know, several times with you all, and uh, I, I uh, visited the Tent of Nations. Uh, that and yes. what was just a, a beautiful example of kind of light in the darkness. This this Palestinian Christian family that has settlements on all sides, and they've suffered all forms of uh, um, uh, hatred and um, uh, violence to their home, and they they've painted a, a mural that says. Uh, we refuse to be your enemies, right? <laughs> and yes. that yes. they they were one of so many examples that I saw over there of of nonviolence and of, of yes. hope and reconciliation. Um, but but it yes. was it was deep. It was hard to see uh, the the uh, abuse of, of their family and the hatred that they've experienced. Um, I, I, in the U.S. is not been the most helpful on this to say the least and can you tell us a little bit about um the cost of the you know uncritical support of the u.s and, and christians who um you know support israel at, at the in in a way that that uh, is doing so much damage to palestinian folks mm -hmm. well you know the first thing i would say is christian support of israel is important in view of the long historical anti-Semitism in the church. And so uh, for Christians in, in, in the West uh, who have this uncritical support of Israel, at least they're trying to right a historic wrong, and, and I applaud that. But when it becomes just, you know, um, support for Israel and even some of Israel's worst tendencies, then it becomes another story, because first of all, the victim of that is going to be Israel itself. Uh, when Christians stand on the sideline and cheer Israel's expression of interest in annexing all the West Bank, basically they're paving uh, the road, a one-way street uh, for Israel uh, to head into a lot more trouble because their demographic realities in terms of the number of Palestinians and the number of Jewish Israelis. Uh, and, and, and so Christians are not helping Israel, number one, when they encourage its worst impulses. 
And then secondly, uh, before you go any further, let me interrupt and ask a a question related to what you're saying. Uh, There's all these evangelicals that are saying until uh, the uh, Jewish people control the entire Holy Land, uh, Christ will not return. What do you I'm sure you hear that regularly. What's your response to that? Because I'm sure it's all over the United Kingdom. Right. Well, the first thing I would say is that it's a complete misunderstanding of the land promises. The purpose of the land was for there to be a place where people lived in a completely distinct way. And that ultimately was to spread throughout the world, and that's what we speak of as the kingdom of God. And Jesus explicitly stated this when he said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. And so the purpose of the land was to create a place where where, uh, people live with their neighbor in a new way. So to use the land as um, in this harsh way to exclude and dominate another people, to use those land promises in that way, is working exactly against uh, the agenda of God's God's, uh, mission agenda, a redemptive agenda in the world. Um, So that would be one of the first things I would say. And And the second thing is that to create wars so peace will come, uh, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, you, you know, as as I've been over there, it's it's helpful to differentiate between uh, the Israeli people and and Jewish folks and the state of Israel uh, and its yeah. its policies and to yeah. to uh, you know uh, unapologetically say we we have to be um, uh, stand against uh, uh, anti-Jewish uh, hatred and uh, bigotry, and it's happening. You know, anti-Semitism kind of all over our country. Um, yes. But but uh, uh, the, the the state of Israel, uh, some of those policies are. Um, it's eerie how much uh, it mirrors some of the same things that happened to them. The the you know with all the the uh, the putting of, of of folks in in you know kind of the all the I just saw all the walls and the uh, you know, fences, and you you get the sense that these these people are really uh, their rights are being denied, their dignity is being denied. And what I heard from Palestinians uh, everywhere was that we just want to be uh, treated as equal. We want to have a right to yeah. the th- things that we need. We want to have a right to citizenship and to vote. And a lot of them even said we 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 don't even care if it's one state or two state as long as we can be treated as equal. Yeah, in in uh, right. in Poland, uh, you know they. Uh, uh, anti-Semitism led to building a wall around the area where the Jewish people live. And they call that area yeah. the ghetto. That's where yeah. we got the word ghetto. Right. It came out of, uh, out of Poland. And they built a wall and, and said, you people stay in there. Uh, to a large degree, uh, there are those who are saying, uh, isn't the state of Israel? Note, I, I think you made an important differentiation there, Shane, between the Israeli people and the state of Israel. The government does not necessarily represent the attitudes of the majority of Jewish people. But let me just say, uh, the building of a wall and to put some people, you know, away from others is uh, is something that is uh, condemnable. 
Yeah, and, and some of yeah. the theologians over there, Andrew, with you, uh, really uh, had a helpful distinction, too, between the, the biblical promise of the children of Abraham uh, and right. the descendants of Abraham, right? Maybe talk a little right. bit about that, that there, there's a difference between just having sharing the lineage and actually living into the responsibilities to be a blessing to the world and to care for others and, and uh, love our neighbors. So talk a little bit about, about that. Well, um, we see in the Hebrew Scriptures that God required Israel to be a righteous nation, to care for the poor, etc. And if they did not do that, they would be expelled from the land. And that, in fact, occurred. And so simply being descendants of Abraham without uh, uh, fulfilling the call of Abraham to be a blessing to the nations without walking in that part of the promise, uh, Israel failed, and it was expelled from the land and uh, never fully recovered from that. Uh, And, you know, for Christians as descendants of Abraham, uh, by faith, part of the family of Abraham, by faith, as the Apostle Paul taught, uh, we inherit that same uh, commission to be a blessing to the nations, to love our neighbor as ourselves, which is the central part that Jesus identified uh, as, as to be our identity. And so when Christians take a very harsh approach towards any people, uh, they're completely missing the purpose of their Christian life. We're, we're to walk in the steps of Jesus and the steps of Abraham, in demonstrating a different way of living among our neighbors, and that's to live in peace and love and gentleness and, and mercy. Uh, you're going to be in the Holy Land uh, for quite a while, I suspect, in this new uh, position that you hold. Uh, and uh, the question is, do you have a plan, a, a modus operandi? What specific things do you uh, plan to do over the next several months to facilitate peace and reconciliation between uh, Jews and, and Palestinians? Well, we're going to have as many conversations as we can have. Of course, you know, Israelis cannot come into what are called Area A, uh, which are the, the, the Palestinian areas controlled by Palestinian security. Uh, I mean, still under occupation, but controlled by Palestinian security. And neither can most Palestinians travel into uh, Israel to confer, to meet with others. But we hope to have uh, conversations uh, via uh, different, uh, you know, platforms on the Internet and within Palestinian society as well, because there are divisions and tensions uh, there as well. So we're going to start by listening to as many people as we can. There are many Israelis that are working in human rights organizations that we want to speak to and hear their voice and and understand their concerns. So my number one goal in the coming months is networking, building bridges of communication. It's so important what you're doing. And uh, even when I I traveled to Iraq, I can remember meeting with some of the uh, Muslim leaders in Iraq, and they said, very specifically, that until there is peace in Palestine and Israel, there will be 
this this uh, uh, uneasiness and tension around the world that really that uh, that crisis that you're in there um, and the occupation is uh, has ripples around the world. Um, are there ways that people maybe give us a few resources in the last minute or so here? Uh, how people can yeah, how follow can they what you in touch with you? Maybe you want to recommend a book or anything for folks that want to read more. Okay, I'd like to recommend a book I wrote called Learning from the Least, Reflections on a Journey uh, in Mission with Palestinian Christians. Perfect. That's an important one. Uh, then Blood Brothers is an important book that you people could read and try to begin to understand more of the situation there. Um, I think the one of the number one things that people should remember, because one of the most common statements I hear is, well, there never be peace. There's always been uh, enmity between uh, Isaac and Esau, and so, uh, I mean, um, uh, Ishmael, and so there never will be peace between Israel and Palestinians. That's, that's not true. That, again, is misreading Scripture. Uh, Jesus commissioned us to be peacemakers. That's a good and word to end on there. Yeah, yeah. we're going. Uh, time flew when you're talking to flies when you're talking to a bright guy. Jesus and, said, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God." And we've got yeah. one of those peacemakers that's been with us today, Andrew Bush from the Bethlehem Center for Global Peacemaking and Justice. Uh, check out his book. Uh, learning from the least reflections on a journey and missions with palestinian christians we're out of time this is shane claiborne and tony campolo but join us next week at this same time